Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. You know, for me, it's a, it's a cat and a dog. Those are my pets. For you, they might be also a cat or a dog or a fish or a bird. Or a ferret. A horse. Mm-hmm. You know, ferrets yeah. aren't legal in California. So no, but we, this goes all around the country, of so course, a lot of people have ferrets. I would have a ferret if it was legal, because yeah. they're very cute. Uh, for some people, it's alligators. <laughs> that's that's their pet. They have a pet alligator. And we reported several weeks back about a young lady in Florida who has a, an alligator who she actually dresses up, and I believe it, it's a performing alligator. <laughs> And uh, the yeah, story. I think she fought the law. Yeah. I mean, didn't she fight for a long time to save him? It was a long case. Yeah, and you reported that she did indeed save him. And so we figured we should get her on the phone. She'll be on with us in just a few minutes, and we'll find out what it's like to have a pet alligator, which uh, i got to figure. <laughs> Finding a veterinarian that takes care of alligators has got to yeah, be that's gotta be tough. tough call. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. We're also going to take your calls in just a couple of minutes for Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. Joey, what are you working on today? Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about if your pet has bad breath. Um, maybe looking in their mouth and um, and looking at their teeth may solve that problem. <laughs> I think there's a burger in there that I fed you two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the cat's hairball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's more like Yuck. it. Yeah. Okay, so that's on the way with Joey Volani in just a few minutes. The dog father. Uh, Lori Brooks in the Animal Radio Newsroom along with, who's in there today? Uh, Gordy? There's Gordy who's, yeah, Gordy who's snoring, licking his paw, and, well, alter- alternating between snoring, licking his paw, and heavily chewing on a bone. So whatever <laughs> you hear, it's likely coming from my studio. Okay, and most likely from... From Gordy. Uh, From Gordy today, yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones. And which one are we going to? Line four? Let's, no, I want to go to line three. Okay, I just I think line four has been actually ringing. For, okay. I think it was actually ringing last week, and we never picked it up. <laughs> okay, go to four. I don't think it ever stopped. <laughs> don't forget you can also ask questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Let's uh, go to Sherry for Dr. Debbie. Hi, Sherry. Hi, how are you today? Good, what's up? Well, you know, I have two little chihuahuas, and I would say they're both slightly overweight, not extremely, but slightly, and one of them just gnaws up a storm. <laughs> <laughs> and is this snoring, is it only when the baby's sleeping, or do you no- notice it at yes. other times, just yes. breathing? Yes. Okay. No, just when and- she's sleeping, and it's, it means she's little, and it's quite loud. <laughs> oh. so, do you ever notice her waking up? In, in the night, if she's snoring, does she ever kind of wake up uh, like a person does with uh, sleep apnea? No, no, uh-uh, she doesn't. She's in a pretty deep sleep. I could probably just move her little arms and legs and let them drop, and she doesn't even know we're there. <laughs> well, when, when we talk about snoring in dogs, it's we, we describe it in the veterinary world kind of either as a snore or as a stertor, um, S-T-E-R-T-O-R. And it's basically the, the sound that we hear when a dog is breathing in and there's something that's actually causing a vibration or even... Um, obstructing the airway in some capacity. So that might be soft mm-hmm. tissue, it could be fluid. So it isn't necessarily something that I would say is a normal thing. It's usually an indication that there's something 
um, obstructing that area. And that's why I ask about the sleep apnea, because dogs can suffer okay. from that. And we see this commonly in breeds like the English Bulldog um, or even the King Charles, where they can have an actually an airway um, obstructive yeah. problem. Um, where they can uh-huh. actually have trouble getting air, they cannot tolerate maybe high temperatures or exercise, heat, and sometimes even sleeping issues where they can't sleep. Um, so, well, when the she num- gets really excited, she um, she chokes. Oh, okay. Well, there could be some other things going on. The number one thing that I think of when I hear of a dog snoring, uh, you mentioned one thing, was being chubby. Because <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. we can see definitely more fat deposition um, kind of in the, the pet's um, body that can affect their breathing. And that might be that they have a limited lung capacity or even some fat up in the, the pharyngeal area. So that could be a possibility that could be relating to it. But in many dogs, um, this kind of snoring can be a, a problem with a soft palate. But, you know, if you've admitted your pet has a weight problem, number one would be try to trim this baby down because that may um, translate into better breathing, which, um, again, it's not normal. So we may actually have some added stress to her respiratory capacity. So that's something to think about. And if she does have a coughing, gagging type thing, um, you know, I would encourage you to have that checked with your veterinarian because these guys oftentimes can have a whole host of things, small little tiny tracheas, sometimes what we call a collapsing trachea, which is um, kind of a, uh, it's an aspect of the the airway that in many dogs becomes weakened. So there's a little bit of like a soft tissue or skin, if you will, on part of the trachea. It's not all cartilage. And that area can get a little weak and kind of kind of get sucked into the airway with time, it really might be something to have your vet look at and decide if, if it's something that we need to address or not. Well, she's going to be going in uh, next month and getting her teeth cleaned, so she's going to be under. So I, I will have them do a really, I'll, I'll talk to them about it and do a really good yes. exam and see if we've got more going on. I appreciate that. Yeah, that would be perfect. And actually, I, my, my first request would be, yeah, make sure that chest and everything looks good and they know what they're getting into um, respiratory-wise, right. but that would be ideal to take a look at things while they're doing the dental. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you for Alrighty. your call, Sherry. Now, you mentioned sleep apnea. Uh-huh. <laughs> can, can animals really have sleep apnea? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Do they have and, to wear uh, a little CPAP machine? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I'm not aware of one of those that's actually of use. But, um, you know, when you look at some of the English Bulldogs in particular, I know we talked about this before, that, you know, they're a breed that's quite transformed from what a standard dog looks like. So their nasal area, um, their upper pharyngeal area, kind of the back of the throat, all of that can have some dynamic changes that make it hard to get easy breathing. So the air doesn't just... Uh, flow through unimpeded. So it actually kind of can get blocked off from a a long, soft palate, which means that they may wake themselves up when they're sleeping, um, just like a person who's trying to catch their breath. Um, So yeah, it can happen. And it's not usually something that's just real obvious, a single thing. But when we look at the history that one of these animals might have, there's a lot of different things that can all fit together um, that we can suppose that that may be happening. Mm. But I'm not really aware of sleep studies in dogs so much as um, you know, we look at all those other things. Lori, you have some snorers, don't you? Oh, you can't hear him? <laughs> <laughs> but you like it, don't you? No, I just got that dirty. You're talking about me, Mom, look? Yeah, <laughs> they snore all the time. Okay, let's head to the phones. And this one's for Dr. Debbie, right, Judy? Okay. Greg. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very well. How are you today? <laughs> very good. good. Greg, I heard some yapping, but I thought your voice changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my little trucking buddy here he's uh 
little over three years old, been in the truck with me ever since he was pocket size. Wow. He's not much Aww. bigger than that now. Aww. What kind of dog? I have a little uh, chihuahua and uh, was born tailless, actually. His mother was tailless. Interesting. Oh, so he's got a little yeah. something. I, I love tailless pets. I, I've had several of them. So. Aren't most of your pets at home tailless? <laughs> I've had a cat that had a tail. Well, it's artificially, you know, had to amputate one of the cat's tails, one of the dog's yeah. tails. You know, they just kind of keep, we chop body parts off our pets all the time. <laughs> but what not can really. I do for you? Well, yeah, I'm not going to chop your uh, pet's body parts off, but um, what can I do for you here today? Well, my question um my little friend here has a girlfriend at home that's about 14 and a half months old. Okay. And she just recently came through her second uh, cycle. And okay. I don't know whether they were active really or not. Never caught them at anything, but we didn't really try to separate them. She's okay. also a chihuahua. And okay. I, I'm hoping that she's not too young. Um, you know, that, that wouldn't have been a problem if she if she does turn out pregnant but how would we know? When would we start seeing any symptoms or any signs or anything? Okay. Um, first question, is she too young? No. Generally, we do prefer a dog to be bred on their second cycle. Um, we okay. just hate for them to get pregnant around that six-month mark. It's kind of like a teenage pregnancy. So um, so you're okay there. Now, as far as pregnancy-wise, duration, dogs are pregnant for about 63, 64 days. You know, significant physical changes you may not know for a full month or so. And the trick is that dogs can also have false pregnancies. So that can also look like they're pregnant and even produce milk. So um, some of these physical changes, they're not foolproof. But, you know, we would be watching for weight gain. Um, an increased appetite usually kicks in about a month into a pregnancy. Um, and then it's a couple weeks later that we actually will start to see things like milk production. Um, but some of the behaviors like nesting, where a dog will kind of build little beds or, you know, try to find a little comfy spot to sleep for the pups, that can also happen with a false pregnancy. So sometimes um, we have been fooled, both veterinarians and people alike uh, that have pets. So one of the things I might suggest is to actually have your baby taken to the veterinarian um, about three to four weeks after possible breeding time. And they can do an ultrasound and look to see to diagnose pregnancy. And that'll help kind of put a timeline on things as well because we can age the pups based on the size of the puppy's skull. Um, and that will help you in preparing for, you know, when um, we might be having some babies delivered. Well, I'm delighted to tell you this portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Now, listen up. In just a couple of seconds, I'm going to give you a promo code to save 10% off your next purchase. Now, these guys not only support Animal Radio and get behind the health of your pet, they're now in the kibble business. Yeah, your favorite dog treat company is now selling kibble. And I'm looking at the side of the package with the ingredients. The first five ingredients feature real animal protein. That's how you know it's good. It's going to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. That's because your dog, well, they love meat. Now get ready to save 10% anytime you go over to their website. Just use the promo code ANIMALRADIO. That's all one word, ANIMALRADIO. And you'll get 10% off your purchase. Just put in the promo code Animal Radio. Once again, head on over to redbarn.com and put in Animal Radio, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, and next hour, we're going to find out about this pet alligator in Florida that gets all dressed up in clothes and clothes and why. So you want to stick around for that. This hour, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to a guy who works for Cracked, uh, Crack.com, which I believe was you know a, an offshoot of Crack Magazine and, and Mad Magazine. And uh, he's done a lot of research. Nature is the Worst is his latest book, Nature is the Worst. And he talks about just how dangerous going outdoors can be for you. It'll be one of those books that you'll never want to go outdoors again. Uh oh. What are you working on for this hour, Lori? There is a cat who has a degree, higher education. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Pretty amazing, really. Is he running for president? No, we he got his degree to prove a point, and uh, not only that he's smart, but uh, something else, and we'll share that with you. Okay, let's hit the phones first for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani. Let's see. Uh, let's go to Rick. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> where, are you, where are you today? I'm in Kentucky right now. I'm a truck driver, and, and um, I'm on my way to North Carolina. Do you travel with your pet? Oh yes, yeah. He's he's here. I I just stopped for the day, so he's he's looking around trying to see people in the truck stop. He'll oh. probably bark here in a minute when somebody gets close. <laughs> is he is he okay? Is he healthy? Is there something wrong? I'm kind of yeah. Well, he he is. He's really is healthy, but I, I, we're having some problems with his ears. Um, just occasionally, I guess cockers are. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well known. It's like the sticker that they don't advertise on that sticker when you buy the congressman <laughs> and you get them. Ear problems. So what do you have going on with ears? Well, um, I, it, it's sort of a, a chronic condition that, um, you know, it, he'll shake his head and it, it has sort of an odor. Um, and I've, I've, he, he gets it about maybe every six months. And what I have some, uh, oh, Zymox, is that what it's called? Um, it's a uh, eardrops that I put in. I uh, mm-hmm. got it from the vets, and and um, you know it clears it up right away. But I was wondering if there was anything that I could do that would kind of um, prevent it from coming back. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And you know, I'd say the the two first things that I would say is that the most common problems with ear infections are that we just don't quite 
do everything we can to handle those. So the uh-huh. first thing that I would say is that we always want to make sure we treat aggressively. So sometimes that might mean more than just a topical. And um, it's hard to know in your doggie's particular situation, but um, I'm a real fan of taking a sample of the goo in the ears, looking at uh-huh. under the microscope, and seeing what we got. Because a lot of times we can have a double power, if you will, if we hit with a oral medication as well as putting drops in the ears. Because if there's a lot of swelling or garbage in those ears, you know, drops can only sometimes take us so far. So that would be my first suggestion is really treat this aggressively. Find out if we need an antifungal orally, an antibiotic, sometimes steroids. I know we were just talking about that, but sometimes that can be helpful, um, especially if there's allergies that are playing a role. And then the other thing I'd say is uh, the number two problem we have with ear infections is that we don't treat long enough. Um, so yeah. I would encourage you when you're treating with that ear medicine to make sure you follow up with your veterinarian, have them stick that cone down that ear and give you the green light, the thumbs up that you're done and over and you've, you've treated effectively to the end of that infection. Cause what we see on the outside is only just a third of what's really going on deep in that ear canal. So as pet owners, we kind of look and say, ah, it looks good. We treated it, but it could still be brewing down there and that can go on weeks or even months. So, um, those would be my first two bits of advice for you there. Um, but beyond that, um, as far as staying on top of ear infections, you can do a lot. So say you did all that, you got the end of the ear infection, the vet says you're good to go. Um, what can you do from there? And a couple things. One would be, I definitely like to use an ear wash product on a regular basis. And that, that basically is what it sounds like. You squeeze it in the ears. It fills the ear canal. You massage and let him shake it, shake his ears afterwards, and you clean. And we use a wash because dog's ears are really deep compared to ours, and it's hard uh-huh. to treat that inner ear canal all that way. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing is cocker spaniels, you know, ear infections can be related to allergies. So getting on a hypoallergenic diet might be one other way we can get ahead of a tendency towards ear infections. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. But those would be some suggestions that I'd have for you there, Rick. Okay. I'd, I'd never, I didn't know about the ear wash. That was, that's a good one. And, um, yeah, he, he really has only had it a couple of times, but there. It's just been within the last year, and, and maybe that it didn't clear up completely. But it was about a six-month interval between when I noticed it. Uh-huh. So um, it, yeah. it seemed to be cleared up pretty good, you know. Yeah, well, get yourself armed with some regular cleaning agents and stay away from powders. If you talk to groomers, groomers want to sell you powders to put in the ear. Ugh, I hate them because all they do is cake up that ear with debris. So uh, talk to your veterinarian about a good just cleaning wash, one that will be uh, pH balanced for the ear canal, and, and see if that gives you some help there. Thanks so much for your call, Rick. Alan Cable, here's today's Scam Watch. A lot of folks are going to the internet to find themselves puppies. Folks like Dawn, who lost one of her dogs. On Thanksgiving. So she went online to find a new puppy. Came upon bestfriendhusky.com. She read all the testimonials on the website and felt comfortable with it. All of them said they would come back again and get another husky. She picked out one of the puppies and sent the breeder in Minnesota 500 bucks. But did the dog arrive? No. She sent another $905 that was supposed to be for a special heated crate. I finally realized that this is for sure a scam. The website was taken down and she never heard from the breeder again. Thousands of people a year who just want to get a new puppy are getting ripped off. 
We get tens of thousands of complaints on this. I would never get a puppy sight unseen. Many times the pet you fall in love with online doesn't even exist. It's just a picture off the internet. Dawn got herself a new puppy, but she also got scammed. He's an evil man. This is Animal Radio, baby. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. Hello, I'm David Bellamy of the Bellamy Brothers, and we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Sharp, the electronics maker, they've got this hot new product set to go on the market next month. But as of right now, you will only see it on store shelves in Japan. Then again, we do have the Internet, so maybe you can figure out how to get one that way. But it's a smart toilet for cats that can automatically measure their urine data as well as the weight of the cat to help them keep track of the cat's health. It'll also alert you to any abnormality that might be detected when they use this special potty. But don't run to the computer yet because you might be searching for cat toilet or something like that. (laughs) Search Sharp Pet Care Monitor. I guess they're not officially calling this a toilet or a cat potty, so uh, that's what you need to search. Sharp Pet Care Monitor. It'll go on sale on July 30th for 226 bucks. Here's how it works. It measures your cat's weight, and then when they use it, it also measures the urine volume, plus how often they go, the length of time that they spend on this cat toilet, and then all of that data is analyzed together. And if there is anything that's off... Maybe a cat spending an unusual amount of time on it or the amount of urine being abnormally large or small. You would then be alerted through a cell phone app. So you're thinking, hey, that's great, but I I have three cats. In that case, for all of our multi-cat homes, uh, Hal, uh, in that case, there is a sensor for identifying each cat. Wow. And it's available with uh, with this unit and can be used in combination with the smart toilet to keep tabs on the health of up to three cats. But for someone like you, Hal, with what, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. how many cats now? Uh, 15, yeah. 20. You'd have, to, 15, you'd have to buy five <laughs> units because you can only use three at the most. And I thought this was interesting. I guess the reason that they're, you know, they're based in Japan, Sharp is, but it's now estimated there are... Nine and a half million cats in Japan. And the big thing about that is that now cats outnumber dogs in Japan. There's only 8.9 million dogs, and this is the first time that this has happened there. Woohoo, cat power. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have you heard of dogs, but it used to be called Dog Parker. 
Never heard of now, it. Really? No. Nope. This is this is going to be you're in on something. The ground floor here okay. of something new and wonderful. It's about to expand <laughs> to more than a dozen cities this year. There have actually been cities all over the world fighting to get this company to come to their town. The idea for Dog Spot actually began in Brooklyn, New York, a few years ago. It pretty much makes sidewalk sanctuaries for dogs who might otherwise, as you see in big cities, those dogs will be stranded at the entrance of a business where dogs are not allowed to go inside, right? Mm-hmm. They're kind of tied up outside. Yeah, and sometimes but stolen. This is pretty cool. Yes, absolutely. But the technology-enabled dog houses that Dog Park offers serve as a really safe, legal, and simple alternative to tethering or leaving dogs outside on the sidewalk. In these dog spot houses, there's heat and air conditioning, so it doesn't matter the weather. They also have automatic sanitizing UV lights and an in-app puppy cam. So while you're doing your shopping or eating your dinner and you want to take your dog there with you, well, the dog, I love traveling with dogs, so, I mean, If they get to go for a car ride in the backseat, then that's wonderful. Among the cities that will be adding these dog spot sanctuaries within this year, uh, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Boston, San Jose, Orlando, Jersey City, Charleston, South Carolina, and several others. The expansion follows a pilot that they did in Brooklyn, and it boasted a 50-location network that was built on partnerships with the local businesses These had to be businesses that were really um, committed to becoming more dog-friendly. The data showed after they studied all this that consumer behavior changed radically with Dog Spot. I kept calling it Dog Park. It's Dog Spot, okay? Okay. So what happened was specifically that users switched where they shopped in favor of stores that had a Dog Spot nearby because the pet parents felt less rushed while they were shopping than they did when they had to tie up their dog outside. So it's really a win-win for everyone, a pretty cool system. And it's good in theory. It means not only will dogs not be uh, tied up outside of establishments, but they won't be left in cars, hot cars. They'll be, yeah. So look for one at a Starbucks near you, I imagine. (laughs) In a big city, yeah. yeah. Pop music star Ed Sheeran, I love him. He is such a pet lover, animal lover, but especially a cat lover. And this month, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in London, they were going to put in a statue of a wax statue, of course, of of Ed in their museum there. But they kind of twisted it up. They did something special. They unveiled a wax model of Ed Sheeran, the British musician, at Lady Dinah's Cat Emporium, this Big Cat Cafe in London. Mm -hmm. It was uh, their special tribute to Ed, the animal lover. The statue was then moved to the museum last week after Wax Ed had that long week to hang out with all of the cool cats at the cafe. (laughs) Pretty special, huh? Do the cats end up, like, chewing on the wax? Yeah, um, that couldn't be good. (laughs) Or scratching it, you know, clawing it like a scratching post? That's a good point. But it only takes, I thought this was pretty quick, four months to make one of those wax statues. Only four from months. Like, yeah, but I mean, that's going like from the mold to putting in the, the tiny hair transplants and things like this. And this really does look like Ed Sheeran. Amazing. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news and offbeat stuff here anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. 
for iPhone and Android. Line one. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Hi, it's Mac, M-A-C. Oh, Mac, how are you doing today? Wonderful, thank you. Where are you? Uh, Tampa, Florida. Wonderful Tampa, Florida. Now, are you listening on WSRQ or XM? Uh, XM. On XM. Okay, what's going on with your pets today? What kind of pets do you have? Well, I've got two birds, one cockatiel and one lovebird. Hmm. And they seem to be loving the wooden play toys they have and the wooden cage that I've got them in. They seem to be chewing that as opposed to their cuddle bone or or Mm. any other thing to keep their beak sharp. Hmm. I wonder if this is normal. Well, yeah. As far as um, for birds, they will pretty much chew on anything given the opportunity. And and I would be a little cautious if they are in a wood cage. It's probably not my first choice because of the durability component because they are going to chew on that. Um, it's in their immediate environment and it's given them an outlet, but it may not be the most secure because of that chewing. <laughs> so um, I would definitely go with a, like a non-painted uh, galvanized steel and make sure you stick with that, something like that. Um, but okay. the actual process of chewing and wood isn't necessarily, you know, detrimental. We just try to direct that in another way. Uh, well, what do you got? Have these guys eating? Uh, just regular bird feed by hearts. A bird seed co- um, right, product, yeah. right? Okay, because um, for a lot of birds. Um, that are fed seed diets, um, we're actually led to believe by pet stores that that's the right diet for birds. And it's actually very deficient in nutrients. Um, so I like to see trying to get birds over onto a pelleted diet. And uh, have you ever seen those at the pet store? No, I have not. Okay. Pelleted diets kind of look like um, kind of like a tutti-frutti um, collars. Um, it's basically a processed food that is has all of the nutrients that these guys need. But when you put it right next to a dish that where they have seed, they're not really interested in it. And birds will always go to the seed first. Um, so um, that's definitely my preference for birds is to go to a pelleted diet. And it takes a lot of work to get them switched over. Okay. Do they spend much time outside of the cage? Um, I have them out of the cage about uh, once a week for about an hour, two hours at a time. Okay, because, um, you know, the more activity, the more interaction they have, then also that t- kind of takes away some of that um, that chewing and destructive tendency. Um, if they're out kind of socializing, vocalizing when you're around, um, then that helps to keep them mentally stimulated and, you know, not so uh, bored and, and kind of chewing their surroundings. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then so do, Yeah. Do you do any kind of uh, any supplements, any vitamins, anything like that? No. No, as a matter of fact, someone told me that the reason they're chewing the wood is they're missing vitamins. And well, it sounds strange to me, but well, you know, maybe in a roundabout way. Um, I'm not really a huge fan on in giving vitamins to birds. I, I try to correct the diet first, um, but um, you know, I think keeping them engaged, entertained, and then maybe making them work for their food. And there's actually a process that we call um, the foraging technique in birds. And it's basically kind of retraining birds to not eat out of seed cups, but to pick off the bottom of the cage. And we can kind of train them over to eating things like um, pelleted foods. Okay. And it can be um, you know, good for them nutritionally, and it's a little bit more uh, enriching for them. Uh, so they're not uh, you know, sitting there getting the food just poured to them. They actually right. have to work for it. Okay. So, so, yeah, I tried that. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you for the call, Mac. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of Petrified. 
Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. Take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. The added functional ingredients make Red Barn Dry Dog Foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to redbarn.com to use the promo Animal Radio for 10% off your first bag. Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay new to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, and as a youngster, I didn't really have a lot of education that would lead to a, a good job. <laughs> that's why you're in radio, huh? So you, yeah, so you got into radio. So, so that's why I'm doing this. Uh, I could do this, or I could deliver pizza, unlike Dr. Debbie, who went to many, many years of medical school to learn how to be a veterinarian. Uh, this next gentleman, he has a background in military intelligence and law enforcement, which is perfect for his job as an editor at Cracked.com. <laughs> and we welcome E. Reed Ross to the show. Hi, how are you doing? What should I call you? Well, uh, you could call me E or Mr. E or E. Esquire. It's not up to you, really. How about E? Let's do E. That's fine. Okay. So now you, uh, you work over at uh, Cracked. You're an editor over there. And you have a brand new book out called Nature is the Worst, 500 Reasons You'll Never Want to Go Outside Again. I do. I got to tell you, one of those books that comes across our desk, I didn't even need to look inside it. The title was enough. I said, <laughs> book this guy, get him on the show. Why is nature so bad? Well, it depends where you are and what you're involved in, I suppose. But there's plenty out there to be afraid of. You don't have to be an arachnophobic or afraid of the deep water. There's definitely a lot there to be terrified of, and I thought I'd compile 500 of them. <laughs> I'm frightened to go outside already. So what are the common things that you would think uh, are pretty benign, but we should actually be frightened of? Uh, plants, I would say, and fungus more than anything. Like there's a, I would never suppose there was a type of thorn bush that could kill you just by walking past it. I mean, everyone supposes, you know, the sharks will be the ones that get you when you're traveling into foreign countries, but if you're in New Zealand and just go off the nature path for 10 seconds, you could, you know, be quivering to your quick death just by brushing up against some stupid bush. Really? A bush that could kill you, huh? Yes, indeed. What about uh, the animals? I look at, like, for instance, prairie dogs. So cute, so adorable, their little heads popping up out of their holes. They they couldn't be bad at all, could they? Oh, they're murderous bastards. They can kill uh, baby squirrels. Uh, well, you know, they're, they're competing over uh, space to live and whatnot, which makes sense. But uh, it, it really brings it home when they're murdering a baby squirrel when you're looking out over the vista, scenic vista. It uh, can ruin your uh, visit to uh, the Grand Tetons or whatever. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of which, my visit to the Grand Tetons, I always like to do a little fishing for that uh, herring fish. I'm supposing that's a pretty benign animal. Oh, well, they're, they're benign, but they're very vocal, which is nice. But the, most of their communication, it turns out, comes directly from their ass. They, uh, they communicate via farts. They can signal it. You know how they all move in unison, and it's amazing to watch and shimmer, and how they move this way and that. Well, they're coordinating all that by via, like, the, the uh, signals they give to one another to their buttholes. Wow. Wow. Mm. Uh, that's, uh... It left Hal speechless. I don't know what I'll think about fishing anymore. <laughs> I'm yeah, blushing. Like if I was speechless in that manner. Tell us about some of the uh, the trees and plants that uh, can actually consume animals. Oh well, it's not so much that they're growing legs and rampaging the countryside, uh, mauling livestock. It's more of a slow process. Being plants, you know, everything is a lot, lot slower than we'd expect from animals. But uh, one can is actually capable of eating sheep. The way it does it is it uh, was able to trap it. And it's quite on purpose. It's not just a, uh, a thorny bush that gets trapped in back. So the bushes are doing this on purpose. So when they have larger animals die, they just soak up the nutrients from where their corpse lands. Wow. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. Judy wears contact lenses over here. I always tell her that she's, you know, that's why not just get a pair of glasses. Are there any other reasons why she should probably stay away from contact lenses? I, I don't want to know. <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, bacteria is... You know, so I mean, you're going to want to use Perel, Perel at all times just to avoid it. But it's not just the ones that get on your hands that can make give you a stomach bug or whatnot. There's one that actually specifically targets your eyeball and will work its way underneath your contact lens. And if left unchecked, will devour your eyeball right out. There you go. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to some of these animals now. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm afraid of moving to Florida because of alligators, crocodiles, and stuff. And crocodiles can actually climb a tree? That's a recent discovery, yes. Uh, they are able to shimmy up a tree. For what purpose, we can only assume is horrible. But uh, in addition to something that was mentioned in the book, they've also been known to uh, set traps, which sounds bizarre for a reptile. But the trap is their mouth. But what they do is they put little sticks and stuff that are perfect for nest building right at the bottom of their jaws and open them wide and wait for a bird's hand and take something that would uh, make some uh, good fixing for oh, my nest sneaky. and land right there and kaboom. How does uh, one get all this information? <laughs> oh, I've been practicing for the last five years. I've uh, been writing articles on horrible nature since 2011. I had a lot to work with to begin with. And apart from that, just familiar, familiarize myself with like zoological charts and uh, I have to give a shout out to the featured creature a girl named uh, Carly runs this blog that's a fantastic source of information for me. But just just hard, good old-fashioned digging. I'm going to go ahead and give away 10 copies of the book. It's a great book. Nature is the worst. 500 reasons you'll never want to go outside again. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, you want to head on over to Amazon.com or your local bookstore and ask for Nature is the Worst. It's one of those books you just can't put down. You don't want to know, but it's like a car wreck. You just got to keep reading. <laughs> e, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it, folks. Good talking to you. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Visit them over at redbarninc.com. Thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Uh, we're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hi, this is Iron Chef Kat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. Start your dog's daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables, the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at redbarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, I'm very excited this hour. We're going to talk to the uh, the guardian of Rambo, the pet alligator uh, that you reported on at least, uh, I think, two or three weeks ago, this alligator in Florida who dresses up in clothing uh, we heard the story from you, and we figured we got to get them on the air. I love that story. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, wanted to learn more story. about it. Have you ever treated an alligator at your clinic there, Dr. Debbie? I never have. I, I've seen some individuals bring in baby caimans. Um, caiman? What's a caiman? Caiman yeah. is kind of in the alligator family, um, but the individual that had them didn't really have a permit to have it, so I, I can't really say a whole lot about it other than I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did not personally treat it. Um, but yeah, so I can't say that really crosses into my line of work in the Las Vegas area, but I'm sure in um, in Florida and in the, the southeast of the U.S., that's actually not an uncommon thing to yeah. see these guys around. Well, gators are pretty popular in the, uh, the Everglades area in Florida there. So apparently this one, uh, the state wanted her to get rid of it because apparently you can't have alligators. As a pet, it was illegal. A... She didn't have enough property. Okay. I don't know what the deal is, but we're going to find out in just a few minutes why she dresses this alligator up and all that. Yeah, I, that's kind of I can't weird, imagine. Huh? I, I would, you know, I, I have trouble enough sometimes with boss getting him, give me your leg. Come on, give me, give me your leg, please. <laughs> or he doesn't want to get dressed. And I can only imagine a little bit of objection from an alligator. Yeah, um, I don't know if I would want to, you know, if he, if he objected, I'd say, okay, he doesn't need to wear anything. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah, Ladybug, when I put, as soon as I put the shirt over her head, she picks her leg up and puts it in the, both sleeves. She likes it. One at a time. I don't even have to put the sleeves on her. She just sticks her paws in the sleeves automatically. I think she recognizes she the does. adulation she gets. Yes, she loves wearing clothes. Okay. Uh, so if you have questions about your cats, dogs, or alligators uh, for Dr. Debbie, or grooming questions, if you need to figure out how to groom your alligator, uh, Joey can help you with that. Lori, what are you working on this hour? Well, we got a story about some uh, wayward raccoons who have since been relocated, but these guys were so big, they were like the size of three or four bowling balls. <laughs> enormous raccoons and we'll tell you how they got that way raccoons and alligators only here on animal radio hi randy hi how are you guys doing doing good what's going on with your corgi well i was out walking uh bridget the other day and uh a fella came up and started talking to me about the herding class dogs and Mm -hmm. he said that i should be aware that there is a gene mutation called the mdr1 gene mutation and I was wondering yeah. if Dr. Debbie would know anything about that. Yeah, um, certainly. And it is a, a type of genetic uh, 
problem that we do see primarily in the herding breeds. And I don't believe that the corgi is actually one of the breeds that we've seen this in. Um, but it, it does surprisingly show up in mixed breeds. So it is something for people to be aware of. Um, the MDR1 gene is basically a, a mutation in a gene that helps to process different drugs and to kind of uh, excrete them out of the brain area. Um, when they don't have this proper uh, gene in action, we can see drug toxicities causing neurologic problems and in worst case scenarios, even death. So it is something we need to be really aware of. Um, Australian shepherds, border collies, uh, collies. Uh, there are even some German shepherds um, that have this type of gene. Um, Shelties, all of the kind of um, herding breeds. Um, and I do know that there was a little hubbub going around in the corgi breed before with concerns that they had this, and it really hasn't been documented. Um, the lab that tests for the, this gene is actually uh, Washington State, and uh, even on their website they have a list of uh, different breeds that this has been found in, and corgi is certainly not on that list at this time. But it is, like I said, it's important for ball pet owners to really be aware of, because when you prescribe drugs, you know, you want to do things safely. So um, we want to make sure that we know that there are certain drugs that some pets cannot tolerate. Um, and the drugs we kind of talk about with this, this MDR1 gene tend to be things like ivermectin, um, which is a very common um, heartworm medication. Um, it's also uh, used to treat problems like skin mites and some other kind of skin conditions. So um, it's usually not a problem for the, the heartworm dose uh, of the ivermectin, but more so for the, uh, the mite problems. But other things like uh, sedatives, um, Imodium is a problem for these breeds. So it's pretty widespread. And in fact, I think three out of four collies have this mutant gene. So it is something to be aware of and have screened for. Now, were you having concerns with your corgi in particular, or are you just kind of checking the, the hype that was going around the, the dog park? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to just checking the hype at the dog park because it just, you know, he, he came up with that, and I'm going, well, he said ivermectin. I go, well, that's exactly what uh, what Bridget is on is, is, is uh -huh. ivermectin-based mm -hmm. stuff, and he said, be very careful with that. And I'm going, holy cow, you know, maybe I should go ahead and, and get her tested. Yeah. Now, in, in even some of the different resources, those, these labs that test for this gene, it, it has been extensively tested. And the doses that have, are used in the regular monthly heartworm preventatives of ivermectin are not a problem for the herding breeds, even those with this gene. So it's not something to create mass panic about, um, but to be aware of. Because, um, you know, I've had dogs, uh, German Shepherds, where I've uh, put them under for anesthesia. Um, and boy, they wouldn't wake up at the end of the day. And and they were very excessively sedated, and there are some tranquilizers that we use for anesthesia that it would have been great to know that this dog had this gene, so I could have altered the dosage of this and let that doggy, you know, not sleep over in the hospital that night and be able to walk home easily. Um, so, yeah, it, it is something to really be aware of, And uh, but I think you're probably okay, um, you know, but share that certainly with your friends that have um, herding breeds or mixed breeds, you know, and this might be a great reason why we do genetic testing. Find out what breed your dog is because this is a condition that if your dog is a mixed breed herding breed, you know, we really ought to be testing for this, um, especially before we use certain drugs. So mm. thank you so much for your call, Randy. That brings up a, a very great point that a lot of people really just uh, need to hear about. So we appreciate your call. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Hey, Lisa. Hello. How are you doing? 
Doing good. Where are you calling from? California, Montebello, California. Montebello. Okay. Well, you're on with the good doctor here, Dr. Debbie. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing super. What kind of pet uh, question do you have here today? I have a cocker um, terrier. And, okay. Uh, he's about 14. 14 years. He'll be 15. Okay. He's a senior fella then, huh? Yes, he is. He's a senior. And um, I was just curious because, okay, he already lost his eyesight in one eye. And then uh, he has um, a cataract in the other eye. You think okay. it's a good idea if I operate him? Um, well, I mean, he is a bit up there in the years. Did these cataracts come on all of a sudden, or were they gradually? I guess gradually, but, you know, the doctor never told me the vet. When, when I when I took him, I said, well, it looks like if he has a, a cataract starting in his eye. And uh, mm-hmm. he says, uh, does he bump himself in places or whatever? I go, yes, he does at times. And so I just, he never told me to go to a specialist or nothing, and and then when I mm-hmm. took him, it was already too late because the, the specialist, uh, she told me that, you know, that his eye was already scratching all that and, you know, she could really not do much. Just give me some eye drops and some ointment and that was it. So now yeah. I see his eye, now I see his eyes getting, well, it's getting white already. Okay. Is that bad? Does, does it get smelly? Because I don't have no sense of smell, so I really don't well- know. It kind of depends on what we're talking about getting white um, as far as because dogs can have cataracts, which are a whitening of the lens inside the eye, but they can also have a white change on the outer surface of the eye, the cornea. Um, and we can see that um, as well, especially in cocker spaniels. They can get some corneal disease as they get older. Um, so, you know, I guess it's hard for me to say in that situation, if unless our eyeballs can go up to the, the telephone and, and we could kind of uh, gauge things a little closer. But I would say that cataracts, yes, in an older pet, they can be addressed surgically. Um, but it is a decision that I really kind of look at the pet's overall health and also how they've coped with their vision loss. Um, if your pet was a eight-year-old dog, I would not hesitate to recommend the surgery because it's wonderful for restoring vision um, and it really can restore a lot of activity to a pet's life. At 14, I think we have to kind of really look at um, our overall longevity and his overall health right now um, because we know that Cocker Spaniels, the life expectancy, you're kind of getting up there. So before we put him through a major surgery like that, um, I would just want to make sure that he's in good health and that's really in his best interest. Um, And also, if the ophthalmologist looked at the eye and said there's no point in doing the surgery because the eye is non-visual, then there's no point in doing that. So um, that was the left eye. Uh-huh. And now, now uh, the other, the right eye is the one that I see. You know, it's getting white. Oh, okay. Yeah, and if that's a recent change, then I would definitely have it at least checked out. Um, you know, if your veterinarian's not quite sure and can't tell what's going on, because sometimes it's a um, a lot harder to see in through these eyes that are very hazy, then you might have to set up that visit with the ophthalmologist where they can use their special um, instruments to look further back into the eye to see if, you know, if it's worth, um, worth the possibility. But I'd have to say, you know, 14 years of age, um, I would probably be focusing on making sure he's comfortable in those eyes, um, maybe rather than going for a full gun surgery to, to take cataracts out. Um, because sometimes cataracts can release proteins in the eyes that can cause pain and inflammation. And we may want to at least address that and try to make sure we're keeping his eyes comfortable and, uh, you know, maybe really think hard and long about that surgery. Um, cause I'm just not a complete fan at your baby's age to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's too old. Too old. It's too old for, for that kind of surgery. Well, 
Potentially. I, you know, it's not so much that he's too old. I'm going to say that, you know, it just really do you want to put your great-great-grandfather through a heart bypass surgery when he's 95 years of age. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I want to just keep things realistic to what we're going to gain from that. And I don't know that you're going to gain a lot more good vision time with a baby who's already at 14. So, um, but I would still say, go see and have that eye evaluated. I, I still think it's very important to make sure we treat for ongoing problems in there. Thanks for your call, Lisa. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Rogers. And Cynthia Rogers. On Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right meow. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog, uses the Brilliant Pad Self-Cleaning Puppy Pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We are moments away from the guardian that owns Rambo the alligator. Or perhaps the alligator owns her. <laughs> we'll find out. This isn't not just a, any regular alligator. This is an alligator that's uh, apparently being dressed up. And in fact, here's a picture of... Rambo during the uh, holiday seasons. Costumes Isn't that pretty? and clothing, yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll put those pictures over at our website at animalradio.pet. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? For all of you who have, uh, you know, a dog that likes to clear a coffee table, you know, like labs and, and things like that, pit bulls, you know, big old long tails, there's a new, brand new Guinness Book of World uh, Records, a new longest dog tail. Longest dog tail. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Any guesses? Anybody want to take a guess at what? I'm going to say, I was going to say a pit bull myself. Pit bull? They have some really long and just really, they they whip Mm. the end of the tail, which is really narrow, but it it can really uh, injure themselves and knock things off the tables. I was unaware of that. I didn't think of pit bulls as having long tails at all. In fact, I kind of thought their tails were short. Yeah, I guess uh, they dock some of them or something. mm. I don't know. Yeah, not usually. Usually they're long. Are they? Yeah. Well, okay. it is not a pit bull, apparently. No. Okay. So it is not. So we'll have to stick around and wait, find out in just a few minutes. Of course. Also yeah. coming up, our Pet World Insider, Robert Semro. What are you working on this week? You know, we just celebrated the birthday of the seeing eye dogs here in America. So I thought I'd have some fun, share a little bit of information, and make it a list that we'd all remember. Celebrating the birthday of seeing eye dogs? Yeah, the the birthday is when they opened the first seeing eye dog school here in America. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, it's it was quite a story. We did a PetX talk on it. Really amazing when you think about it. Really, eighty plus years now, we have come a long way. So. I want to make sure it keeps going, and I'm going to share that list with everybody. That's on the way with Robert Simro. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. Hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going today? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Phoenix. 
Lovely Phoenix. Is it beautiful? Awesome. Is, is it beautiful today? Uh, not really too much. It's more. Uh, it looks like June gloom. If you're familiar with that, from the LA. coast, yes, from LA. <laughs> the country's doing some weird things. Anyway, I got the good doctor here, Doctor Debbie, to answer your vet medical questions. What's going on with your animals? Well, here's here's my question: Is I have a undetermined aged Shih Tzu that we got from a rescue. Okay. And I, we know he's an old guy, just just because. Because he tells uh, you, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you could definitely tell there's Arthur kicking in and all that kind of stuff. Well, a couple of his friends are schnauzers, and they play with, you know, catch and fetch and all that kind of stuff. Well, I've been noticing his teeth falling out. Oh, gosh. From, especially like his front ones, because I don't know about the schnauzer breed. I've never had one before, and so... He'll get it, and he'll get a rag toy and just start shaking it like, you know, like other dogs do that he sees. And I've been noticing teeth falling out. Oh, my God. Get him to the vet, for goodness sakes. <laughs> we need to look inside this doggy's mouth. Has he had any kind of dental exam recently? He had, and they had said everything was cool, but that they told us that it was just a part of age. Um, And I'm thinking, do I correlate it with the toys that he's not used to? And there's a whole bunch of things going on with this little guy. We we got him as a rescue. They actually, it was the day before they were going to put him down. And he had somehow gotten an eye injury. So he's, you know, the old old joke, you know, the dog lucky missing an eye and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he's actually missing an eye. So my oh. question to you is, after all that, are dogs' teeth like human teeth? They get in pain and can I give them like an aspirin, a baby aspirin, or take the pain away like grabbing cheese or something? Okay. Um, I'm going to stop with uh, the aspirin question first, and then I'm going to go back to the other part of that question. <laughs> um, aspirin. I do not give to animals. I really do not. Um, maybe decades ago, it was the only thing we had for pain in animals. And yeah. it, while it while it may help with the pain response, it can actually, and, and it's been proven, they, get, they gave aspirin to dogs that were perfectly healthy. And then they went in with a scope and looked at their stomach. And almost every animal that was given aspirin had some form of micro ulcers in their stomach. So there's so many safer things that we can give for pets that don't cause stomach ulceration and don't cause the problems with the kidneys that we can have with aspirin so nix that right away <laughs> and, and it definitely upsets me that a lot of people buy aspirin at pet pet stores over the counter and they're giving this to their pets as a way to treat you know arthritis or chronic pain because it really is jeopardizing your pet uh, when there's so many more safer alternatives um, that can be directly given you know through uh, assistance with your veterinarian so that's part of the thing then I'll go back to the whole teeth thing now if any dog has teeth falling out and they're not a puppy and you know they're not, they're not losing those baby teeth teeth falling out means there's disease in the mouth so um, it is certainly possible that something like pulling on a toy might kind of put extra pressure on some tenuous teeth and pull those out but that means there's still disease in that mouth that led to that weakening of the tooth um, interface so I would say if they said they didn't see dental problems you know what we know (laughs) we know that even if we look at perfectly healthy teeth in many cases there's actually disease under the gum line so I would still say pick up that phone hey my dog lost some 
some teeth, I want to get a dental exam and maybe get a cleaning if it's appropriate for your pet's health. Um, And then see about that because we don't want teeth falling out helter-skelter. He may need to, you know, if we intervene, we might be able to, you know, maybe clean the teeth. Maybe there's some diseased ones we can take out and save the teeth that are adjacent to that. Um, So that would be all what I would be kind of focusing on that mouth. And uh, unless his, you know, brother or sister dogs are popping him in the mouth with some kind of baseball and knocking those teeth out, um, then I'm going to say it's probably bad teeth in there. We need to get a look. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. Hi, this is Steve Garvey on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Uh, a colony of raccoons. You might have heard about them that became famous for devouring junk food behind a Louisiana grocery store. They have been successfully relocated. They were known as the Winn-Dixie Colony, named after the grocery store, where they regularly devoured uh, junk food, sweet snacks that were actually left out for feral cats. There's a little more to it than that, I'll explain. The story goes that nearby residents had begun feeding the raccoon those raccoons, rather, those sweet treats, trying to prevent them from eating the food that was left out for the feral cats. Now, when the cat caretakers fed them the junk food, apparently it kept the raccoons contained to their separate area so that those feral cats got a chance to eat. Otherwise, the raccoons got most of it. Animal control officers monitored the situation, They reported seeing more than 30 raccoons that they say were at least 30 to 40 pounds each. Is that a raccoon or is that like four bowling balls? That's huge. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, After Ohio passed legislation recently making bestiality a felony, Kentucky was left as one of the few remaining states where it is not criminal to have sex with an animal. Hmm. I know. Sorry about this, but. You know, keeping you up to date. Now the state house in Kentucky has introduced Bill 143, which would ban the sexual assault of a pet dog or cat. But it does not address any concern for other kinds of animals. They say that is in order to avoid antagonizing hunters or farmers, which traditionally don't uh, support other kinds of yeah humane legislation. Finally... This will make you smile. A dog in Belgium has earned himself a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the world's longest tail. He's an Irish wolfhound named Keon. He gets the honor. His tail is 30.2 inches long. And that's from the tip of the bone to the, or rather from the top of the bone to the tip of the tail. And that doesn't include, you know, the longerish hair that sticks out at the end of that tail. So it just goes from, you know, bone to bone. 30.2 
inches, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Keon's tail best the previous record holder for longest tail on a dog by 1.7 inches. What kind of dog is he? He's an Irish wolfhound. He's the biggest dog uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he can clear a coffee table in zero seconds That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Can you imagine a tail almost a yard long on a lab? No, thank you. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Things Everyone Should Know About Seeing Eye Dogs. We just recently celebrated the birthday of the first school for seeing eye dogs in America. The school was opened by Dorothy Eustace on January 29, 1929. She had been contacted by a blind person named Morris Frank after his family read an article about the dog training she was doing in Germany for blinded veterans of World War I. Their remarkable story and what it has led to has become an inspiration for many, including myself. So much so that when we created our PetX Talk series, that was one of the first PetX Talks we did. To celebrate the school's birthday and the incredible amount of people they've impacted, I thought I'd share five things everyone should know about seeing eye dogs. To begin with, it takes nearly 18 months of training to go from puppy to guide dog, and not every dog that starts the program will become a certified guide dog. Some estimates are that as many as 20% of the trainees do not pass as they're not proficient enough in critical skills that are essential for the safety and well-being of the guide dog and its person. When Morris Frank and his seeing-eye dog Buddy the First walked across West Street in Manhattan, he kicked open the doors of acceptance and also possibilities. Remember, back in 1928, seeing-eye dogs were not only non-existent, but there were no laws that required them to be allowed to go where humans go. Fortunately, Morris made it his mission to change minds and laws, and today seeing-eye dogs have laws that allow them to access where people go. Three of the most popular breeds that are trained to be seeing-eye dogs should be no surprise. Golden Retrievers, Labrador Retrievers, and German Shepherds. These breeds are well known to be fiercely loyal dogs who are extremely intelligent and calm under pressure. As important, they're great companions and loving dogs who are devoted to their human. One of the more interesting things that a seeing-eye dog is trained to do is to refuse a command if it's unsafe for the dog or the human. This is critically important, especially at busy streets, when the human is putting absolute faith in the dog to guide both of them to safety. A typical career span for a seeing-eye dog is 7 to 10 years. This might not seem like a long time, but when you add in the training time and the 24-7 vigilance, it's a lifetime. Most seeing-eye dogs are retired to adoptive families so that a new seeing-eye dog can work with the human without distraction. Seeing-eye dogs, as well as most working dogs, are so inspiring by their selfless nature, they live to serve and care for those around them. When you think about all that they're tasked with, it's no wonder these dogs are often referred to as four-legged heroes. Share your experiences with seeing-eye dogs on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Hey, Jeannie. I got the doctor here, Dr. Debbie. What's going on? Hi. Hi. I am owned 
by a cat who is oh, 10 years at old. At least you can admit it. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he has me very well trained. I walk on my end of the leash. It works really well for us. Um, he drools more than the basset hounds I've owned in my life. Oh, and in I what don't situations? Know if this is a normal thing, because it seems to be getting that he drools more than he used to. So, what context? When is he doing this drooling behavior? When he's happy, when he's being petted and purring, and it just sits and drips <laughs> off of him, and then he slobbers it all over the place, just like a DOG does. Oh, yes, yes. So, <laughs> if this behavior is happening when he's in a content emotional state, we kind of call these guys happy droolers. And um, in most cases, it's a completely normal response. It's just a parasympathetic response that they have when they're in a happy place. Um, okay. To, to stop it, I don't know. He's a happy guy. This is his way of telling you. That I guess the challenge I would have it would be that, you know, if you wake up and you've got a big spittle of drool about to fall on your face, it would remind me of me and my yeah. brother when we were kids and you try to spit on each other. Yeah. So some other concerns we have with excessive drooling are nausea, uh, dental disease, and like respiratory infections, things like that. And if you haven't had his teeth looked at recently, I would encourage it because we can see a problem called root lesions, uh, which are basically the closest thing would be like cavities in humans where cats can get these holes in the enamel of their teeth and that can cause some pain and uh, other issues going on. So that could potentially uh, lead to more drooling than we might uh, tend to see or, you know, other causes of tummy upset okay um, but you know i'd say if if we tend to do this only in those situations when he's happy uh you, you just got a drooler on your uh <laughs> hands and you're gonna need yeah, a bib I just continue to tell him i love him drooly right <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is greg biffle on animal radio and remember to spade and neuter your pets Hi, it's Alan Cable. I just want to thank you for your calls and your emails to Animal Radio. You know, there's nothing I enjoy more than teaching folks how to understand their dogs. Here's one we didn't get to during the show yet. It was from a gentleman who lives by the airport. His dog's very afraid of the sound of the airplanes. He wanted to know what he can do about that. Picture this in your mind. A 120-pound lab shepherd mix who's not afraid of anybody. He's a pretty strong-willed dog. But a thunderstorm rolls through or somebody sets off some fireworks and he wants to hide under the table. Scared as a mouse. The good news is with time and patience, you can desensitize your dog, and it all starts with you being a calm and confident pack leader. Two nights ago, we had a major thunderstorm barrel through here at about 1 o'clock in the morning. I can always tell if it's happening. Even if I can't hear it, I hear the click-clack of paws coming down the hallway. (laughs) He's not supposed to come down there. The first thing is, even though he's breaking the rules, you can't get mad at him because he's scared. You don't want to punish him for being afraid. He can't help it. So I took my dog outside on a leash, and I just stood there. All mellow, calm, and relaxed. Pretty much not paying any attention to him until he laid down. Then I pet him. After about 30 minutes of that, I brought him inside. I still knew he wouldn't stay in the kitchen where he's supposed to. So I stood there side by side with him too. And after about 20 minutes, he laid down. I told him what a good dog he was, pet him. And then I always say, good dogs always get a treat. Yeah, I say it like that. So I mixed an egg in with his dog food. The storm was still going on, but he kind of got distracted by the dog food. And he got rewarded for staying calm during it. Plus, my calm energy told him 
there was nothing to really worry about. After he was done eating, I told him he was a good dog, stay, and went back to bed. If he hadn't have stayed, I'd have come out and done it again. You know, it takes patience. And this is only the second time I've worked with him through a thunderstorm. But he stayed put, thunder, lightning, and all. Remember, dogs feed off your energy. If you're a nervous wreck, your dog's going to think there's something to be nervous about. And if you're calm, that energy rubs off too. So remember, be calm, be patient, and be persistent. And you can teach your dog there's nothing to be afraid of. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. Hi, Randy Travis here, and you're listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You found it, Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. You might remember Lori Brooks, our news director, reported a few weeks back about a young lady in Florida who gets to keep her alligator Pet alligator. Pet alligator. Yeah. Oh, the one who dresses up the alligator because it's got pale skin? It's got some kind of skin problem. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have her on the phone. We have Mary Thorne, and uh, I'm sure Rambo is nearby. Hi, Mary. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? How are you? Very good. Thank you. So now, uh, first of all, congratulations on being able to keep your pet alligator. How long have you had Rambo? I've had Rambo for 11 years. He'll uh, had him since he was four years old. How did he end up in your life? Um, I got him and five others in a 10-gallon tank. They'd been in a closet for the first four years of their life, and it was a dark closet, so they didn't get sun. All they could do was rock back and forth. Now, did someone just drop this tank off? Yeah, it was dropped off at where I was doing an alligator show. So you have plenty of experience with alligators then, prior to, to, to Rambo? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, I guess they're fairly common there in Florida, huh? Definitely. Every ditch, every pond, every lake. (laughs) Now, you dress Rambo up. How long have you been doing that? Well, we had to find a way to keep him from getting sunburned. So I was just sitting around one day, and I I saw these scraps, and I made them into an outfit for him, which covered his skin. Wait a minute. Alligators are outside. They get sunburned? I didn't know alligators could get sunburned. Well, Rambo was in that closet for four years of the dark. Oh. oh. So the sun does not take the sun at all. In fact, uh, two of the five that I had died of sun exposure. Hmm. Oh, wow. wow. Did uh, Rambo uh, perform, I guess? He was a performer? Uh, Rambo sits on props. It's called Propting. Okay. And he takes pictures with people. He's no longer allowed to do that. Oh. 
Is there a we big... really don't know why because, you know, he's never had an aggressive moment in his whole life. <laughs> well, so what was Florida trying to do? They were trying to say that you can't have Rambo as a pet? Well, in Florida, they uh, have a law that you have to have 2.5 acres to have an alligator over four foot. Ah, and you, you don't have that so, land, land? I don't have that kind of land, and he was sun sensitive, so the 2.5 acres is not going to benefit him in the least. Is that why uh, Florida decided to allow you to keep Rambo? Um, I think it was, uh, I provided him a vet letter that said, you know, that a couple of them died from sun exposure and that he was definitely allergic to the sun. So where does Rambo now live and where does he sleep? Rambo has his own bedroom (laughs) and he has his own pool in his bedroom and he has a regular bed. And he also has his own refrigerator and TV. Would you probably say that he's the only alligator in America to have <laughs> his own bed and refrigerator and TV? <laughs> Maybe to have all three, but there are different people that I've seen in the media that let their alligators lay on their couches and stuff. Do you have any other animals? Yes, I do. do- I have five dogs, two possums, and a squirrel at the current moment, and... <laughs> Usually, all the neighborhood people, when they find an animal that's been harmed or something, like our squirrels that fall out of nests, they end up on my um, hanging on my fence and and things that you know. And I come out and I got a new animal. <laughs> now, do you have to keep them separate from Rambo, or does everybody get along? No, everybody gets along. Rambo was treated like a puppy. So he does what my dogs do. He doesn't they mess all... with the squirrel. No, he doesn't mess with the squirrel. Now, you said he's 11. How? What is his life expectancy? Yeah. How long do you expect him to live? Alligators can live 100 years in captivity and about 35 in the wild. Whoa. Do you recommend uh, alligators as pets? No, I don't, because I'd rather see them in their natural habitat than having the life that Rambo lives. Yeah. i got to tell you, he looks uh, pretty... <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of him on the ATV with a uh, Santa costume on, a Santa clothes. Does he like being dressed up? He loves his outfits. (laughs) He likes to dress up for Halloween. He likes to dress during the daytime. In fact, if he doesn't have his clothes on, he just mopes around. If you put his clothes on, he's normal. (laughs) Wow. Do they they know that uh, everybody's looking at them with the clothes on? I mean, do they? For instance, like I have uh, Ladybug, our studio stunt dog. She loves to get dressed up because she knows that everybody's looking at her and she gets a lot of attention. attention. Is that the same with Rambo? I believe so because since he's been taken away from the public, he sort of moats. But we still got a couple of kids that are doing... um, therapy with him they sit and tell him his prob- their problems and why they can't get along with people really and he just sits there and listens to them so he's a therapy gator he's a <laughs> <Yeah>. service gator <laughs> sort of <laughs> i love my rambo and i love my gators all of them were different and special in their own way because the other ones that were in the pond with him they dressed in clothes too do you have a website where people can learn more? Visit? See pictures? Country, country Gator Theater. Country Gator Theater. <laughs> uh, one more time. Country Gator Theater at, uh, at what? At Facebook.com. Okay. We'll put all this information over at AnimalRadio.com so people can learn more about Rambo. Please go give Rambo a big old hug from all of us. Will I you? sure will. Thank you for inviting me on. 
It's time for us to get on out of here. Thanks for joining us today. If you need to get your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It is a free download. And be sure to check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. She has them uh, for the Yorkshire Terrier, Shih Tzu, Pug, and Mini Schnauzer. It's a Kindle book over at Amazon.com. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Enjoy your weekend. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.